Hello there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your pet corn snake, your super smart dog, or your math teacher. I'm Jill, and I'm here with Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Jill. We love answering your questions, so please send them to us at kdl.org forward slash stump or email us at stumptheLibrarian at kdl.org. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love it if you followed the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. When you follow and like our podcast, more people can find us. All right. I have a top of the podcast joke for you. I love a joke. Go for it. This one is from Jake from the Wyoming branch. And Jake asks, how many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh. How many? <gasps> Tentacles. And then I have to wiggle my fingers. <laughs> Tentacles. <laughs> That's a good one. I know. Great jokes. Send us your jokes too. We'll take them. I do love a joke. <laughs> okay. What's your question for us today, Liz? Here we go. So my question today comes from Berlin, who is 10. And it was in the little basket here at the Amy Van Andel Library in Ada. We have a basket out in our youth area. If you have a question, you can drop it in. And Berlin asked, how do worms slash snakes move without bones? Great question, Berlin. Tell me all about it. Here we go. Snakes do have bones. Not as many as people, of course, but they have a skull, jaw bones, vertebrae, tailbones, and lots of ribs. Worms do not, and I'll talk about them in a little bit, but Jill did a worm question in a previous episode, so I'm mainly, I'm going to mostly talk about snakes, but they move in lots of different ways. The way a snake moves relies on both their interlocking scales and the way they distribute their weight. Much like people have to shift their body weight from one foot to the other to walk, Snakes shift their body weight in order to propel themselves forward. I watch videos of snakes moving on a flat surface, and it's really easy to see that as they move, parts of their body lift up and down. This is called lateral undulation or serpentine locomotion. We're going to learn some snake vocabulary okay. today. Snake vocab. It's That's how Will most, there be a quiz? Um, no. Okay, good. good. <laughs> you can just, you know, take notes if you want. Take it, notes. <laughs> it's how most snakes and even some lizards and earthworms move. It's also the way eels, fish, and sea snakes move. The snake needs some kinds of resistance to move this way. Their scales provide friction or grip to propel themselves as well, but typically just in one direction. So think of ice skates. If you've ever been on ice skates, you shift side to side to move forward. But can you move left to right very easily? Not without picking up your foot. Right. Yeah. So the shape of the skate, the way it's shaped, provide, or prevents you from shuffling side to side. Mm-hmm. But you can go forward or backward. Mm-hmm. In, in one video, a scientist put a covering, like a sock, over a snake's body so that just their head and tail were uncovered. And the snake couldn't gain friction with their scales to move forward. Sounds kind of cute, though. It, well, it was it was probably pretty frustrating oh, for the snake. Poor snake. 
In the serpentine locomotion, the body makes a series of S shapes and pushes off of things in their environment, like grass or dirts or plants. Mm -hmm. So the kind of scales a snake has varies by species, but all scales are made of keratin, like your fingernails. The scales on the top of a snake's body are different from the ones on its belly. The top scales are called dorsal scales. They protect the snake from danger in their environment. And they can be different shapes and sizes. Uh, Some snakes have really big scales and they might only have like 10 or 20. And some have little tiny scales on their back and they could have 180. And that depends on the species of snakes. But the scales on the bottom are called ventral scales. And they're connected by interstitial skin. Mm. And the skin is really stretchy and you can actually see when a snake has eaten a big meal because oh. their body stretches, the skin stretches. I've seen that. Yeah. Have you? In my backyard. In life? In real life. <laughs> in my backyard. Oh my gosh. I know. It's exciting. I, I kind of picture like a cartoon where you could like see the outline of the thing the snake ate, but I think that's not real life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I have a picture of it and it's like little frog, a little, I'm probably toad actually in my backyard, like legs sticking out of his little mouth. Oh, his skin's all stretched out. We just, we were sitting at the the back porch together eating a snack. You and your snake friend. Yeah, he was eating a snack and I was eating a snack. I'm (laughs) like, well, if he's not moving, I'm not moving. Wow. Well, I hope. Well, that, I don't know. That makes me feel a little creepy, like yeah. seeing like legs sticking out like that. Uh, you know, I, I, I can share that photo for the blog post. Oh, that'd be great. Okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about some different ways snakes move. Big snakes, like pythons, move using rectilinear locomotion. It's also called caterpillar motion. They lift their ventral scales, that's their belly scales, forward, and then they squeeze their strong muscles to pull their body in a straight line. Have you ever seen a big snake move like that? I think so. Not in real life. Oh, okay. Thankfully, I might pass out. Sure. Yeah. It looks like a smooth, slithery process, but there's mm-hmm. a lot happening for the okay. movement to occur. It's a big snake. Yeah. Uh, engineers have studied this type of movement to use in wheeled robots because oh. it's so effective over rough terrain. That makes sense. Yeah. Scientists look at animals a lot when they're doing designs of things because nature is amazing, it is. as you know. Yep. Another way snakes move is called concertina locomotion. That's a fun name. Uh, concertina. <laughs> it's fun to say, too. Yeah. That's when they pull their body into bends and then straighten out, which pushes them forward. Okay. It's like if you could imagine an accordion going mm-hmm. in and out. Snakes that burrow underground use this motion. Snakes that climb trees also use this method of movement because they can stretch and then stiffen their bodies as they move from branch to branch. Mm-hmm. Another way snakes can move is called sidewinding, and that's similar to the lateral undulation that we talked about first. However, here a snake moves at an angle, and parts of its body leave the ground, forming loops. Snakes that live in sand use this method. They move this way to minimize their body's contact with hot sand, Hmm. but other snakes use it too, even if they don't live in hot sandy deserts okay their bodies are sideways as they move forward 
and they leave a distinctive pattern behind, like we leave footprints behind. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty obvious when that type of snake has been through a part of the desert. Yeah. To watch a video of it, it looks kind of chaotic, but the Sidewinder rattlesnake can move up to 18 miles per hour. That is a fast snake. Going kind of in that sideways yeah, motion. Sideways. It's really it's really interesting to watch. Yeah. Now we can talk about worms. Okay, let's worms talk about worms again. Move differently than snakes. They do. Berlin mm-hmm. was right when she said that worms are boneless. Mm-hmm. That's true. Worms are invertebrates, which means they don't have bones. Mm-hmm. Their bodies are made up of segments, 100 to 150, and each segment has muscles and bristles that help the worm move through the soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bristles grip the ground as the muscles can expand and contract. One part of the worm expands as the other part contracts, and that propels the body forward. If all the worm's muscles contracted together or expanded together, the worm wouldn't be able to move. So that's it. Is that kind of similar to how the uh, pythons, the big snakes, move a little bit? Um, I, yeah, because I, that one is called that caterpillar motion. Yeah. So that is... They're somewhat similar. You're right. You're right, Jill. Yeah, but the worms have the little bristles to help push they them do. along, too. <laughs> They're a little... They do. Leg hairs. Little, and <laughs> so small, because when you look at a worm... You do not see you that don't they see have it. those. No. no, that's great. Uh, snakes no. slither, worms crawl. Thanks nice. for your great question, Berlin. And your slightly creepy question. I... Oh, well, that's interesting, Jill, that snakes make you may feel a little creepy. They do, but they don't make you feel a little creepy? They, I, You know, I, I did watch quite a few videos of yeah. the different ways, and it didn't make me uncomfortable at all. Mm-hmm. Bugs. Right, I know spiders, that. Spiders, mm-hmm. 100%. But snakes, I felt okay watching the snakes yeah. moving around. So. I like to just see a snake moving when it's not very close to me. <laughs> It's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has their, you know, thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a fact of the day for oh, you today. Oh, you do. That has nothing to do with snakes. Oh, that's okay. It has to do with dinosaurs. Okay. Everybody loves a dinosaur. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is called 1,000 Amazing Dinosaur Facts. And it is from our, the animals section of our library. It was new in August, so not super new. But it's not actually, it's kind of a little book. Um, it is a, a little thousand book. facts. You would think it would be a giant book, but I know. it's it would fit in a backpack. Yeah, it would. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of times these thousand books are big and heavy yeah. and hardcover, but this right. is soft cover and it's small. Yeah. It's packed with facts. Every single page has so many facts oh, all yep. over it, and that that's why. So I have. Several Tyrannosaurus Rex facts for you today. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah, I, I chose this one because I can pronounce the dinosaur's name. Tyrannosaurus. Yes. Okay. Okay. T Rex mm-hmm. had the longest teeth of any dinosaur mm-hmm. and the strongest teeth of any meat eating dinosaur. And this is my favorite fact there is evidence of T Rex munching on bones and this evidence comes from fragments found in fossilized t-rex poop oh poop yeah (laughs) fossilized poop with bones with bones well yeah you think about it they would like eat the whole munch on the bones too yeah okay and they didn't digest it 
all, I, apparently. Yeah, I don't imagine that we digest bones very well. Ugh. Or T-Rex. T-Rex didn't, no. anyway. Not all of them. Pass that right on Well, through. they must have they must have digested some of it. Well, maybe they didn't uh, gnaw on very many bones. I don't know. Who, who could say? Oh, truly, <laughs> who could say? That is... Yeah. Sometimes I think a thousand amazing dinosaur facts. Uh, if this book was 20 years old, the facts would be totally different than they are. Oh, today. I'm sure. Because we're always learning more. Scientists things. are always working. I know. Learning new things. Just like us. <laughs> oh, Jill. What's your question today? Oh, it's a good one. And it is from Kara at Wyoming. And um, Kara put this in my box that I have at Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And the question is what is the smartest animal? On Earth. Wow. Okay, Kara, did you know that this is a stumper type of question? I have some fun stuff to talk about here, but I'm not going to be able to say at the end of the episode, (gasps) here is the answer. Here's the smartest animal on Earth. She really stumped you. Yeah, she did. So Liz, which animals do you think of as smart? I promise you that there's no wrong answers here. Just what are some animals that when you think of a smart animal, they come to mind? Chimpanzees. Yeah, they're smart. smart. Mm -hmm. Um... Elephants, yep, smart. smart, big brain. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, I don't know. Those are my top two. Yeah, those That's are all good. I got. Good. I'm, I'm actually going to talk about both of those, but there's lots of smart Oh, animals. and crows. Aren't crows really smart? Crows. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Yep. That's all I got. Go yep. ahead. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so here's the thing about the word smart. It means different things. It's difficult for scientists to judge animal intelligence. When humans judge animal intelligence, we're We're often judging animals against standards of human intelligence, but they might be smart differently. Right. Like they're smart for a chimpanzee. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And and they might have skills and things that are smart for them that are things that we can't do. Sure. To decide what is the smartest animal, scientists have to decide what is the criteria for being smart. Mm -hmm. For a long time, researchers thought that brain size showed which people and animals were the star- the smartest, but we actually know that that is not true. Brain size doesn't show what your your intelligence is. The human brain weighs oh, about three pounds, and it makes up about 2% of our total body. That's for an adult human. And a shrew, which is a tiny mouse-like creature and does not have a very high intelligence, has a brain that makes up about 10% of their total body weight. So that's a much larger percent of a tiny shrew's body than our brain, and yet that is not a smart animal. Right. Yeah, so that's just one example, but in general, brain size doesn't really judge what intelligence is. So how can we judge the intelligence? One criteria that we might use is curiosity and problem solving. And I have examples of animals for all of these different criterias. One curious and problem solving animal that researchers agree is a pretty smart animal, like maybe top 10 smart animals, is the octopus. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I know, they're so smart. They can solve problems. An octopus can open a jar. They're like, I've seen them escaping before. Yes, yes. They can make their way through mazes and they definitely know how to escape captivity. I think we have multiple books about that in the library. I can think of two for sure, but I'm sure there's even more books about octopuses escaping the library, not the library, escaping their (laughs) container. We don't have any octopi in the library, (laughs) just books about them. They even, and this is amazing to me, they can recognize different researchers in a lab, 
even though they're all wearing the same coats. So they will react differently to the researcher that feeds them versus the researcher that pokes them with a stick. We would do that too, right? We don't like the one that pokes us with a stick. I wouldn't poke it with a stick. No, (laughs) no, I wouldn't either. So that's just a little bit about the octopus. (laughs) So our octopus has two, not many different criteria, but two that I talked about that we might use to judge how smart an animal is. Did you catch the second one? The second criteria that we might use to say if an animal is intelligent or not is recognition of different images. So the octopus recognizes different researchers, but let me tell you about an animal that honestly is shocking to me and and shocking animal inclusion on this list. It's a pigeon. Oh, okay. Did you know about a pigeon being so smart? Well, I've heard of carrier pigeons yeah. like doing a job. Exactly. So I feel like that would make them smart. If- they are very smart and they recognize different images. And that's what makes them so good at carrying uh, things to places and then getting back to where they came from because they can recognize where they're going. They can recognize differences between two different images. If you show a pigeon two different images, they can recognize the differences. They can also recognize themselves in a mirror, which is not something all animals can do. (laughs) No. So if you see a pigeon on the street, which you see a lot of pigeons on the street if you live in a big city, and like looking at themselves in the, the store window there, I mean, they're probably really checking themselves out. Maybe. Yeah. So pigeons definitely deserve a place in our smart animal list. Another one that that we're going to talk about just really briefly because Liz is going to talk about this in much more depth in a different episode. Using tools is another way to judge if an animal is smart. Almost all of the animals on our list use tools in different ways. But I think one of my favorite smart animals that uses tools is the crow. That's right. There's two birds on our bird list. And there's actually even a few more birds that would make this list that we're not even going to talk about. So if anybody ever calls you a bird brain, do people say that anymore? I, I don't know. As, a, as an insult, you should just be complimented. You're like, oh, thank you. Birds Bird, are very intelligent. Birds are super smart. Yeah. yeah. There's probably some, actually, owls, not very smart. Oh. They're very instinctual. Okay. But not crows. No. Very, very smart. A crow uses a tool to uh, get food. So mm-hmm. we'll grab a stick or if a crow lives in a city, it will grab a bent piece of wire or wherever, whatever it can find. And they'll use it to poke into a tree and grab a bug or a grub to eat. And this is my favorite crow story. They were observed in Japan grabbing some nuts and dropping them in the street and waiting for cars to pass over them to crack open the nuts. And then they would wait for the cars to go by, and then go out and get all the the food from inside the shell. That is so smart. That is smart. So you're using problem solving, and you're using a tool that you aren't even managing. The car is the tool. Very smart. Okay, we're going to talk about two more animals that round out our smartest animal list. There's a lot, but the top two. Um, But there's not an order here. Because it kind of depends on what criteria you're using to decide which animal is the smartest. I looked, I think I looked at six different lists of the smartest animal. And these two were always at the top, but they were at different places depending on the list. So I think you could make an argument for either of these animals being the smartest or any of the other ones that we've already talked about today. But before I list those top two, think about what you think. Take your guesses. What might they be? I want to rapid fire a few more really smart animals. 
Elephants, you already mentioned, super smart. They're known for their memories. They can remember long paths to water, which is very important in times of drought. They're also known for their empathy, which is an important part of intelligence. That's another way we judge if something is intelligent or not is their empathy. They will show empathy towards other elephants, but they also show empathy towards other animals, other kinds of animals. Pigs are intelligent. Did you know that? I I feel like it... I've heard that before. Yeah, I think I've been to like a 4-H um, fair where they have trained pigs. And I never would have thought you could train a pig until I, I saw that in person where they'll listen to commands and follow you. But they also use tools and they can figure out mazes and things like that. Pigs are very smart. Another smart animal um, is a rat. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they're used in a lot of... Uh, um, scientific. scientific research, and they're they're very intelligent. And bumblebees also belong on this list. Yeah, gosh, I love bumblebees. I know, <laughs> and they're very smart. Um, but again, their intelligence is different than what, how we might consider a human to be intelligent. So the top two, do you have your guesses in your head? Okay, good, good, good. Listener, you got your guesses in your head too. All right, here's our first one. We're going to talk about dolphins. <sighs> dolphins. Yes, yeah, they are so smart. They have a very sophisticated language, which is another sign of intelligence, that they use with each other. And honestly, it's something that scientists are still trying to figure out. We don't really understand their language. They seem to have specific whistles that they use for names for each other, which that's really intelligent. That's kind of cute. It is really (laughs) cute. Dolphins can learn all kinds of commands and tricks. And this is so cool. Dolphins have been observed in the wild teaching a trick that they learned from a human trainer to another dolphin. <laughs> Let me teach you this trick Look at this I cool learned. thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very smart thing. They also show empathy. We talked about how that's an important sign of intelligence. They have um, been known to take care of sick members of their pods. That's what a group of dolphin is called. Or, or older members of their pods or little members of their pods. They've even been known to rescue people who have gotten in trouble in the water, either lost or a shark attack. Dolphins have been able, like gone and rescued people. Wow. Yeah. They also have amazing memories and they also can recognize themselves in a mirror. Like, can you just imagine them looking at themselves? Look how cute I am. Right. <laughs> and the last animal we're going to talk about today is the chimpanzee. So smart. I, very, very smart. Um, like many other animals on this list, chim- chimpanzees use tools. They also have so much language ha- comprehension. They use sign language to communicate with humans. And they will remember, this is another uh, sign of intelligence is memory, they will remember a human trainer's sign for their name even a decade after they haven't seen that trainer again. They'll see them and sign, here's your name again. They remember that person. That's awesome. I know. They're just so smart. They also have a great capacity for empathy and Chimpanzees have been observed in mourning, which is the kind of sadness that comes when somebody you care for dies. And that isn't really something that you see a a lot in the animal world, um, but it's a sign of intelligence, and um, chimpanzees definitely have that. So while I was looking at all these different articles that were like, what's the smartest animal? I just definitely determined that I can't decide. And I think it's okay if we have different ideas of what is the smartest animal. Researchers haven't even decided, but I did find this 
very cool ongoing research project. It's called Diverse Intelligences, and it's trying to understand how different animals are smart. They're trying to create kind of a, they called it a periodic table of intelligences. Mm -hmm. So just saying like, Different animals can have different intelligences, and let's just try to understand what those look like. Their goal isn't necessarily to tell us who the smartest animal is, just how different animals are smart. Fascinating. I know. There's a lot of smart animals out there. There There are a lot of smart animals out there. So thank you, Kara, for that question. I thought it was really interesting, and animals are smart. They are. Thanks, Jill. That was great. Yeah. Do you have a book you've been reading lately, Liz? I do. I have a I have a little book review for you. Oh, tell me all about it. <laughs> the book is called 96 Miles. It's by J.L. Esplin, and it's a chapter book. Do you think you could walk for 96 miles, Jill? Yes. Okay. 96 <laughs> miles really doesn't sound that far in a car or maybe even by a bike. But however, in this book, brothers Stu and John decide to walk 96 miles through the Nevada desert no, with, I without adults, <laughs> only bringing what they can carry. Oh no. The book begins with a power outage. 13-year-old John and his 11-year-old brother Stu are home alone while their dad is away on a business trip. Oh boy. Uh-huh. No one knows why the power is out, so they head to a neighbor's house to wait it out. But days go by and the boy's dad just happens to be a survivalist. Oh, so that's okay. Okay. a person who is always prepared for um you know, something bad that that could happen. So mm-hmm. they figure they can wait out the power outage. They have plenty of food and water. They're fine. However, after a couple of weeks on their own, their house is robbed and their supplies are stolen. Oh. They realize the only thing to do is to start hiking to a family friend's ranch that is 96 miles Mm. away. That makes sense. However, the situation becomes really serious pretty quickly when... We learn, as readers, why it is absolutely essential that the boys find help in the next three days. So the clock is ticking. They have to get where they need to go. This book is a nail-biter. If you ever sit down and you think, oh, I'm just going to read one more chapter and then one more chapter, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what happened when I was reading this book. Even if you've never experienced the desert, the descriptions of the landscape and the plant life or at times, the lack of anything. It just makes you want to grab a glass of water while you're reading it because you get thirsty. It's Mm -hmm. hot, it's dry, and time is running out for these brothers. They happen to meet up with some others along the way, some kids like them who join them on their journey, but also some adults that they suspect might have been the robbers of their own supplies. Oh, They have to make many serious decisions on their own in order to reach their destination, all while trying to stay safe from the sun and the wind. They're rationing their food and water. Jill, do you think you could drink toilet water if your life depended on it? Ooh, toilet water. Okay, they they boil it. they have a filter? Yeah, okay. They boil it first. Yeah, I would do it. Of course. But just knowing where it came from. That would be a challenge, but if it's death... Life or death. They talk a lot about toilet water on their journey. (laughs) So just be prepared. If you like a suspenseful survival story, you should check out 96 Miles. 
It's also a story about the links we go to keep our family safe, even your brother, who might <laughs> not always be the best of friends. Like John is the strong main character, but he's only 13 and he's making a lot of hard decisions. I couldn't put it down. It's available as a book and as an audiobook on Hoopla. So if you're an audiobook listener, check it out. 96 Miles by J.L. Splin. I think that I uh, just found our next family audiobook. Yeah. We love an adventure book. Okay. We are. We are hikers, which is, I was serious when I said I could hike 96 miles, but I don't think I could hike 96 miles in the desert. When Once you, you said that part. Yeah. I can just, I mean, I've never been in the desert like properly, but yeah. just like picturing what I've seen on TV and yeah. movies, it's just Having to of, carry all your water with you. Is, yep. I mean, most of the places we've hiked have been, you can get water out of the creek. You have to filter it, sure. and, you know, or boil it or do something, or treat it. No. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but hiking in the desert, wow, that yeah. just sounds, that sounds like a, the right book for me. It was a really good book. Yeah. Surprising, like not, it was, wasn't what I expected exactly. Okay. So I think that you will like it. Well, I'm definitely putting it on my uh, want to read list here. Awesome. So Great. thanks for that book recommendation. Sure, I hope, you, tell me what you think. Uh, sorry, I, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and if any of our listeners happen to read it, tell us what you think. And if you need more uh, recommendations of survival type books, I've read a ton of them because yeah. it's just what we like to listen to as a family. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Adventure. Yeah. Thanks. Jill, do you have uh, a, maybe a fun fact that you learned today? I loved hearing about how all different snakes moved. I could visualize each one of those different kinds of snakes, uh, f not from real life, <laughs> just from, you know, watching videos of snakes or seeing them in movies. And I could imagine how each of those moved differently, but I have never thought about how, how they, they move differently intentionally. Like they're different mm -hmm. kinds of snakes and their bodies move differently. Yeah. So that was, that was interesting. Kind of fascinating. Yeah. To think about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I learned a lot about animals, of course, mm -hmm. but I think the part that it stuck out was the different animals that show empathy and yeah. that being a sign of intelligence, I guess mm -hmm. I never really thought of that as mm -hmm. I was thinking problem solving and tools and that, but right. yeah, having empathy for other animals or taking care of other yeah. animals like those dolphins. I thought that was really interesting. I learned that today. Yeah. Thanks. Well, good. All right. I guess that's it for us today. Thanks for all of your amazing questions and helping us to learn more about our world, too. For more information or to send us your own question, head to kdl.org forward slash stump. Tune into the next episode where we answer even more of your questions. A huge and special thanks to the KDL Programming Department, the KDL Marketing Department, and J.D. Dolinsky for our intro and outro music. Thank you. Thank you.